Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So, guys, we have come, we have come to the final chapter of this amazing letter known as 2 Corinthians. Okay, that is, a, and, and if you recall, I, I just want to go over this real quick. If you recall, this letter is broken down in three ways. Okay, and if you're taking notes, I want to just remind you very quickly. Now you go, Ben. Why do you do that? Every week you say, "Let me remind you," because guys, it's been known that we only retain only ten percent of the sermon. That's just sad. I pour out my heart to you for 45, 45 minutes, more like 50 minutes. Past. I pour out my heart to you, and you only remember 10%. And I'll tell you what, you know what's funny? Is that you'll remember the funny illustrations. Yeah, that was funny. I heard that story. Like, no, the word of God. Anyways, I'm going off. Okay. Okay, so let me remind you where we are. Okay? In chapters 1 through 7 of this great book, guys, remember, Paul, he writes to them to reconcile with this church. Okay, he planted this church and he reminds them, guys, that he loves them and he forgives them. And I think that's so super key for us. Why? Because if we're living in the last days, I think it's so important that we need to go ahead and say, listen, I need to remind people that I do love them and I do forgive them. We, we, we need to be that way. We need to let the grudges go. We need to, okay, this is what Paul says. He says, I love you guys. And we actually see this in chapter 1. We see his heart in his opening prayer. Why? Because Paul is reflecting the love of Jesus. Guys, he's not mad at them. He's madly in love with them. Now, let me say this. This is so key. Why? Because, guys, if we're going to have the heart of Christ, Christ loves people. Now, we don't always get along, Rosa. We don't always get along with them, but we're supposed to love them. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love. Listen, they may not be where we are spiritually. They may not even be walking with Jesus, but our job is to love them, help me, back to life. Love them into the kingdom. They want to see a great example. They want to see who we are. We were talking about this yesterday, guys, in the men's fellowship and how how uh, most servers and 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 different service industries don't like Christians because we seem to be the worst, the meanest, the hottest, blah blah blah. And that's not how it should be. Christians need to love people back to life. Well, he he, he says it like this. He says, "Man, I'm not mad. I, I'm madly in love with you." And in chapter one, three, and four, look at the way he reads this. He says, "All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, our merciful Father, is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others when they are troubled, and we will give them the same comfort God has given us." Do you guys see that? Think about this for today. Think about this for today. Guys, the things that you are going through right now, the stresses, the COVID, all of this stuff, guys, they're going to be used to comfort those who are going to go through them. That's, that's, that's the thing, okay? And he says he comforts us, guys, so that we can comfort others. And when we look at some of our afflictions and we look at some of our sufferings, it's, okay, Lord, I want to do this well because I might, well, I want to minister to others who might need it. And that's what he's talking about. And so what does Paul do? He comes back and he uses the paradox of the cross, guys. He reminds the church, the church that he planted, and he says, let me talk about the cross. The cross reveals what? God's salvation. And he says that Jesus died for you. Okay, he died for your sin. He says the cross also reveals God's character. We saw that in this self-giving love for each other. And then he says the cross also reveals a new cruciform way of life. In other words, we behave what we believe. That's what he talked about in chapters 1 to 7. And then in 8 and 9, remember, Paul changes direction a little bit. He talks about giving and money. And a lot of people go, well, the Bible doesn't say much about money. You know, it talks about money. He talks about the forgotten generosity. And if you recall, Paul is writing to the church with this concern, the collection, okay, the offering. 
And what we need to understand is what Paul was talking about. And so what we did is we dissected this way. The collection was for God's people. There was a famine going around. There was, there was poor people. And the collection was given to believers to relieve part of their suffering from a famine or natural disaster. And I think we can relate today, guys. There are a lot of people who are still hurting. Okay, I go back to the fact that we thought by now we would be moving in the right direction. We would be, we would be a little bit past COVID-19. We would, we would be seeing some, some great results. But listen, there are still people and there are still, there are still businesses that are not open and there are still people that are struggling. And so we need to be the ones, the church needs to be the ones to offer to help. That's where we are. We got a call the other day, as a matter of fact, and it was a fella said, I can't work, uh, I'm in a halfway house, and so forth and so forth, and I, ju- I just need some food. Well, just because of your generosity, we had two bags of food left over from our food drive, and we ran them over to him, and he was forever grateful. We're not doing it, guys, to go, hey, look at us. And we're not doing it to go, hey, we want to get more members. We're doing it because this is what God says. He says, listen, the collections are for believers. But listen, listen, it also should help us to do this. Listen, it helps us to what? To understand since we received blessings, spiritual, salvation, that we return the help financially. That's how it should be. And how cool it'd be is that, is that every time we give our tithes or our offerings or above and beyond, we go, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. Why? Because man, we get to get the gospel out. We get to go. We get to see more people saved. We get to, this is what we're here to do. Guys, we all have a lot of stuff. Make sure our stuff doesn't have us. We all have a lot of possessions. Man, let's just give it away. Well, you first, pastor. Okay. So he's talked about giving. He talked about collecting. Now, then he moves on to chapters 10 and 13. Now, Joe, do you believe that was part of his, his lost letter? I mean, it was pretty, it, the tone changed, doesn't it? And, and basically, he's, it's his final challenge. And so I go back and forth. I'm like, man, he was like, hey, guys, I love you. I love, this is amazing. Oh, man, this is great. And then all of a sudden, he's like, man, he goes after the super apostles. Man, there were the guys in the church, guys, that were, were bashing Paul. Paul, who does Paul think he is? Who does Paul, th- listen, who does, who does Paul think he is? Who does Paul think he is, right? Here's why. Because, guys, they were expecting who? They were expecting the rock, and they got little Kevin Hart. And they're like, That's, that can't be Paul, right? They were expecting Ramses, and they got Nacho. I mean, that's the kind of how it was. And Paul says, no, 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 we got to talk. And so he goes through, guys, and he, and he deals with the main source of the conflict, right? He deals with it. As a matter of fact, in chapter 11, verse 5, he says this, but I don't consider myself inferior to any of these super apostles who teach these things. And so without getting into details, Paul takes them on, but he takes them on with a heart of love. Why? You got a bunch of guys who are, who are like these rock star, super apostles, I am driving up, this is me, you need to come here, me speak. And Paul takes them on with a heart of love, and I'll tell you why. Because there's still people in need of salvation. I'm not hearing you out there. Why? Why? Listen to me, church, listen. As whatever fence you are on, politically, anything, however it might be, People still need Jesus. They do. Our leaders need Jesus. And sometimes we go, well, that's what, you know, we, we, we get that way. Well, that's what they deserve. And they, they should just go to hell. And, and we should never say that, guys, because think about this. Hell for anybody is eternity away from God. And we should never wish that on our worst enemy. Our heart should be, God, please save them. Save them. They, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. I know, Lord. I know they're not walking in you. I know they're not even saved. I know they're not even acknowledging you. God, open their eyes. Open their heart. 
I don't want to see anybody spend eternity one day. Now, why are we like that? Because we're already in. We've already given our lives to the Lord. It's secure. I'm secure in Jesus. Now, here's what I want to do. I just want to take a bunch of people with me. I was like, for what reason? So you can have your... Listen, there is no history. There's no, well, Pastor Ben did a great job. And blah, 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 blah. That's, no, it's gone. Once more, I just want to see people saved. I want to see people saved. Man, I love it when people get saved. And man, they're, and, and they're changed. And, and the whole world freaks out. Man, you've changed. Yeah. And it's not our doing. God, and you know how I know it's not our doing? Because you still mess up. You still mess up. You're like, ah, I can't believe I did that. But you still keep walking in the same direction. When you're trying to do it yourself, you try too hard and people know, ah, he's a fake. Ah, he's a phony. How so? Oh, God bless you, sister. How are you? Good to see you. But we still, no, it's just, just be you. Just be you. Let God change you from the inside out. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for change inside out. So Paul does it, guys, with a heart of love. And so then we come now to the final chapter. Guess what Paul's going to do? Paul's going to remind the Corinthians and us that we need to examine ourselves. You go, what do you mean? He's really saying, make sure, guys, that we are saved. Make sure we're saved. He wants us to examine ourselves, right? So he's asking us to do, to take a deep look into our heart and make sure we are proven or we test ourselves. Didn't think that was in the Bible, did we? Oh, I thought we were saved and we could. No, Paul says, examine your heart. Examine your heart, guys. Now, this is interesting today. You know why? Because if we're honest, can we be honest in church? We don't like anybody telling us what to do. Pastor gets up here and says, y'all need to examine yourself. You do it, Pastor. Are we not like that? If somebody confronts us, okay, what's the first thing you do? Defense. Defense. Right? That's the first thing we do right away. Right after we start to defend ourselves, then all of a sudden we go, offense, and we start finding faults in you. Right? So somebody comes up and goes, I'm going to use you for an example. Sister, I don't like that haircut in you. Okay? I don't like that haircut, whatever it might be. And they do this too. So, Our first reaction as humans is like, well, I could tell you a few things about you, sister. You ready? Number one, your eyebrows are crooked. Number two, you're cross-eyed. I mean, we could just go, right? We do that. We don't like to be told what to do. We become defensive and then we go on the offense, and then we end up fighting. I don't like it. Now, but if you're going to correct me in love so that my walk with Jesus can be stronger, that's different. There's a difference. i got to correct you in love. And that's what Paul's trying to do today. He's trying to correct us in love, and he's trying to say, examine your heart. Examine your heart. And, and I like the way self, where are you, self? I like the way self does it. He always tells us to do what? Do a spiritual inventory. I think that's what you mean. Always check our hearts. Do a spirit. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, do a spiritual inventory of our lives. You go, well, like what? Give me an example, pastor. Okay. Well, let me do this. If you think, notice I put think in quotations. If you think you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus, but maybe there's some evidence that would suggest not so, Examine yourself. Don't get offended, guys. Eternity is too important to get offended. We go, Pastor, what exactly do you mean? Well, it reminds me of a story, true story, guys. I had started a Bible study. We were in a Bible study, and it was a little town in New Mexico, past Bernalillo. It's a little town, little little uh, mountain town called Placitas, and we started a, we started a brand new Bible study. I started teaching, and we had a great little turnout the first meeting. And and uh, the host of the lady I didn't know very well, so I went up to her and I was just asking her, "When did you get saved?" When did you tell me, tell me your salvation experience? Are, are you saved? I mean, how, tell me about this. She got so offended that I would ask that. 
that she didn't want to host the Bible study anymore. And I'll never forget that. And I was like, I just, I, I want to know. I want to know your story. But we're so ready to be offended by anything people say. And, and so again, don't get offended. Examine. Lord, am I really saved? Why? It's too important. It's, it, it's too important. Number two, guys, examine yourself every day, right? In everyday life to make sure you're staying in the moment. That's so important. Particularly today. It should have been every day, but particularly today, guys, we have to examine, Lord, am I in the moment? Am I in the moment? Why? Everybody say, why? Because you got an enemy who wants to see you fail. You got someone who wants to see you so discouraged and so depressed and so down and so out of it that if we don't stay in the moment, if we don't keep our eyes now, again, guys, this week is Thanksgiving. I want to challenge you. May, may I challenge you? I want to challenge you to no matter what you're going through, to find something so good and be thankful for. And and post it. Say it. Think about it. What are you thankful for? And I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things we can be thankful for this. We're thankful that we have oxygen, that we're alive, that we, that, you know, whatever it might be. But, but I want you to dig really deep and I want to see, because gratitude, guys, is going to catapult us far more than if we just allow the enemy to come and hit us. And I think it's, we got to stay in the moment. We got to stay in the moment. We got to stay focused on, God, what do you have for us? Don't you think the enemy knows his time is short? And he knows you're going to heaven. So what I'm going to do, he would say, is I'm going to try to make your life as rough as possible until you get there. I'm going to, I'm going to try to trip you up. I'm going to try to pull you back into the world. I has been doing that forever. You know how hard it is, guys, to grow up and get saved in a church and, and see our children's ministry director, and I'll never forget him. And he was, he was, this is, I mean, he's, he's serving the children. He lo- kids loved him. Kids loved him. And of course, he's serving and, and became friends. And, and I, I just see this, man. This was, this was 33 years ago. And, and, just a few years after you sort of lose track, you know, you keep going, hey, where's, where's so-and-so? I hadn't seen him. And then the next thing you hear, well, did you realize that he's not walking with God anymore? Oh, really? That's oh, a bummer. And then the next thing you hear is that, and this is a true story, that he died of a heroin overdose. How does that happen? Because the enemy wants to do this, guys. The enemy wants to single you out, pull you away from fellowship, get you away from God, and get you back into the world. That's what he wants to do. Because he wants to what? He wants to kill you. He wants to rob you. He wants to destroy you. That's, that's the Bible, guys. And so we have to examine, God, where am I? Where am I with you? Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. Paul emphasizes the word. He says, examine yourselves. And you go, why is that important? Because he's reminding them to look at themselves, not at Paul. Okay? Not at Paul. You go, what do you mean? Well, Jesus put it this way. Listen to, look at the way Jesus put it. In Matthew chapter 7, guys, you know the story. Verse 5, it says, Jesus says, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will clear, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you guys see that? He's saying, listen, all of us are going, hey, you got a problem, bro, you got a problem, hey, you got a problem. But he said, first remove the what? He says, the, the plank, the pole from your own eye. He says, examine yourself first. Now, he's not telling us that we shouldn't encourage and, and help our brother, because our brother has a speck in his eye. But he says, examine your heart first. So we don't come with pride going, well, listen to me, bro. If you just read the Bible like I did, you wouldn't have a speck in your eye. No, dude, you got a big telephone pole in your eye, bro. What's up? He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to go, okay, Lord, I know that I can fall. I know that I'm vulnerable. I know that I've messed up, bro. Listen, I know where you've been. And, um, man, I understand. 
And um, you know this little speck? It, it wants to kill you, and I'll tell you why. And let me just share my story. And, and, and now you've got a brother who goes, wow, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, think about pornography for just a minute. Not in that way, but think about it this way. Do you realize that the first time I ever went to a men's ministry, men's, it was a men's retreat, and I saw men that I respected were just like, man, I struggle with this pornography. I went, what? It's a real struggle, but what happened was is that I realized that it wasn't, I mean, it's just not individual. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to go, oh, man, it's just you. It's just you. You're the only one struggling with this. And you go, no, there's, oh, I, I can find help. I can do this. And the problem is it's just not only men. It's women, too, now. So let's first examine ourselves. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, okay? Because that's verse 5. Let's go back, guys. Let's jump into this. We're going to move pretty quickly. 2 Corinthians 13.1, Paul writes, This will be the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Now, Paul's saying, this is the third time that I'm going to come visit this church, okay? If you're taking notes, the first time he went was Acts chapter 18, verse 1. The second was the painful visit that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And right now, he hasn't made the third visit, but he's going to make a third visit to this church. Now, he says, okay, guys, I'm coming, but he says something very interesting. He actually quotes, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Here's what Paul's warning. Paul's warning, if necessary, trials were going to be held when he came, which the Jewish rules evidence giving would be applied. He's saying, this is how it's going to go down. This is how it's going to go down. By two or three witnesses, it's, uh, if we have to go to court, we will. Can I just tell you this, guys? Paul is adamant that the church is pure. Paul is adamant that the leadership of the church is making sure, because you guys remember what was going on in the church, okay? First of all, they were, they were lifting men above other men. Oh, I'm of Paul. Oh, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Jesus. Well, I'm of this guy. Well, I'm of this guy. And, and, and that was crazy. And then there was so much sexual immorality in the church. That one guy was actually sleeping with his either stepmom or his mother-in-law, either way. And the leadership was okay with it. And Paul's like, Mm-mm, no way, no, that's, may it never be. That's, that's, and he, and he addresses it. And so he says, man, listen, if I get there, I'm going to make sure this goes down. And then he says in verse 2, he says, I've told you before and foretell you as if, as if I were present a second time and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek proof of Christ speaking to me who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. You go, Ben, that's, what, that's a lot. What did Paul says? Here's what he's saying. You ready? Let me break it down for you. I've already warned you. I've already warned those who had been sinning when I was there the second time. Now, again, I warned them and others, as I did before, that the next time, this thing's going down. That's what he's saying. And he says, and by the way, I'm going to give you all proof, if you want, that Christ actually speaks through me. He says, Christ is not weak when he deals with you. He's actually powerful among you. That's what he just said. He said, listen, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm warning you. Joe, that's why I think this is part of the other letter. He's really, he's really, I mean, you can see his heart of love, okay? But sometimes the heart of love is speaking the truth open and honestly. That's Paul. He's like, guys, come on. Why? Rosa, because sin separates us from a holy God. It separates us. And he knows the consequences of walking away from Jesus. And But not only that, it's, it, it, it's not about consequences, is it? You know what it is? He's seen heaven, and he says, I want you there. And sin, sin will keep you from that. Sin will keep you from that. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. 
I was sitting this morning right over there, and I was praying. Lord, we we're praying as a group, and and I thought about I thought about you know the invitation and and people getting saved, and and I thought, Lord, listen, Lord, I want people to come to know you, not because they're scared of hell, but because they love you. Okay. Now the Bible says that that yeah we have to present hell because it will scare some people into the kingdom. You, you understand that, but for the majority. I don't want to go to heaven because I'm afraid of hell. I want to go to heaven because I love Jesus. So I have to present Jesus in such a way to you that you fall in love with him. He should be your everything. Okay? Think about this. Becky, can I use you an example? Okay, Becky and Haas, you fell in love with Haas not because you were afraid of him, but because he was good to you. Okay? Because he... He was your one. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to marry Haas because he was mean, and if I don't marry Haas, I'm not going to be able to. That was not, right? But we do that with Jesus. Listen, hey, man, listen, if you don't give your life to the Lord, you're going to end up in hell. How many of you want to end up in hell? I don't. I want to be saved. How about this? Jesus has done so much for you. And he blesses you, and he loves you, and he forgives you, and he walks with you, and he gives you peace and comfort and joy, and it's just the most amazing thing. And he's the God that created you, and he fills that void that you've been looking for all your life. How many of you want him? Oh, I do, Lord. I do. I thought that right over there. I was like, wow. My goal is to present my Jesus is your everything. Your everything. That's my goal. That's my goal. And that's what Paul does. Paul says, okay. And he gives us an example. Look at verse 4. He says, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him in the power of God toward you. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, guys, when Jesus died, they all mocked him and laughed at him. Oh, he's weak. <laughs> what kind of God would die on a cross? You, you understand that. But the very thing that people perceived as weakness was what, guys? It was the power of God. And he goes, in you, the very thing that people feel is weakness is the very thing. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Why? Because, guys, the things that sometimes we struggle for and people go, oh, well, that, that's weak, is the very thing God's going to use to show himself mighty. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. I've seen it firsthand with my wife. My wife, five years ago, battling cancer with chemo and radiation and everything. And, I mean, you're talking about just sometimes couldn't even go for a walk around the park now the woman runs 10 miles a day, so, I mean, it's God is good. But she couldn't even, she's so weak and she's so mad because she used to run. Now I can't run. Oh! But it was God who showed himself strong in that time. And so when she'd come to church, people would look at her and go, wow, why are you here? It was the power of God. And that's what, what, what people perceive as weak is, is God's power in you. And that's the power we need to tap into. Because if you're lonely or depressed or stressed or out of control or just sad, that's the power we need to tap into to get us through. That's what he's saying. See, his statement in verse 4 is very interesting. And you say, why is that? Because in his death, Christ seemed to reveal weakness, but his resurrection actually revealed the power of God. And Paul acknowledges to the Corinthians' perception that he is weak. Yep. Stating that his patterns of life after Christ, and just as Christ was weak by people's standards, so Paul says, Ben, I'm willing to be weak too, so Christ can be made strong. And as a result, what does Paul say? He says, guys, you need to examine yourselves. Look at verse 5. Paul says, examine yourselves as whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are, what's that word, guys? Disqualified. Disqualified. 
Now, if you are a highlighter or an uh, uh, underliner, this is the central key, the theme of chapter 13. This is what you want to highlight. This is what you want to make an asterisk with. Why? Because what's he saying to us, guys? He's asking us this. He's saying, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Test yourself. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. That's what he's saying. Don't just, yeah. Don't be a Christian like, um, like it's part of just your job description. Well, I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this, and oh yeah, but I'm a Christian too. He says, don't just strip the taking for granted. He says, test yourself. Test yourself. Give yourself regular checkups, is what he's saying. Give yourself regular checkups. We do that now, guys. We go to the dentist for regular checkups. Boy, I hope you do. We go to the doctor for regular checkups. Hey, I just got to go get my annual physical. We do that. But when it comes to spiritual, we're just like, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) But he says, no, 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 no. He says, don't do that. Why? He says, because you need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Evidence. Test it out. Well, what if I fail? He says, if you fail a test, do something about it. Do something about it. Make sure. But wouldn't you rather know? Wouldn't you rather know? I mean, I think the... the. Let me paint the scenario. There we are. We're, we're in church service, or we're just going through our day. We hear the trumpet sound. We're out of here. The dead in Christ rise first. We are alive. But you didn't know where you were with God, and you weren't actually sure if you were saved or not, but you sort of took it for granted, and now you're left behind. How are you? This is going to be the worst feeling in the world. Wait a minute. I thought I was saved. I thought I was saved. I thought I was saved. Tiffany, I thought I was saved. I walked an aisle. I prayed. I thought I was saved. But did you check? Was there evidence in your life? Well, I don't know. Somebody just said, pray a prayer. I prayed this prayer. No, no, no. Salvation is when your heart, guys, is given to the Lord and it, he begins to work inside and the evidence is all of a sudden you're a different person. It's, you're different. And it's progressive sanctification. So each day you become like Jesus just a little bit more. Each day, each day, each day you're growing. That's what salvation is. And he says, man, make sure you examine your... And I think this is so important. Why? Because he says to us, unless indeed you are disqualified. Now, circle that word in your Bibles because it actually means disapproved. It's disapproved. And you go, what do you mean? For example, if you fail to pass the test, he says, listen, you're disapproved. You, you go, what do you mean? Well, again, he says, listen, disapproved means you're really not walking with Jesus. You're really not... In the family of faith. Adam, we talked about this yesterday, right? He brought a message and he said that, that, that the Lord disciplines those he loves. He corrects, he chastises. And, he, and basically, here's the bottom line. If God's not spanking us, then we're illegitimate children. We're not his. And I love the fact that he does correct us. Because he goes, oh, my daddy loves me. Why? He spanked me. He did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God spanked you? Yeah. How many of you like God's spankings? I don't. But I'm need, they're needed, right? Isn't that the truth with our own kids? Isn't that the truth? We spank our kids. Why? Because we love them. I don't spank my kid. God spanks us because you love them. Son, this stove is hot. Don't touch it. Ah, don't t- this is hot. You're going to burn yourself. What do we do? What does a kid do? I think I can take on dad. Okay, those are natural consequences because now his hand is burned. But you say, son, stay right here. Don't run into the street. You can't see cars. I can stay right here. Your kid takes off running. Guess what daddy does? I said no. Boom. Why? Because he loves them. That's what he's saying. Guys, in our text... I don't want to be disapproved. Guys, we're exhorted, guys, to finish well. Doesn't matter where you start. 
Sometimes we start off all in the race. We're all in the race, right? We're ready together. And then some of us walk off the race for a season, don't we? Where, where were you for a season? Oh, yeah, I was kind of doing my own thing. But then you got back into the race now. Here's, what, here's what's key. doesn't matter where you started the race is that you finish well. And, 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 and Jim, that the Lord goes, well done, my good and faithful servant. Elisa, well done. That's, that's what we, we want to finish well. He's not going to go, so how'd you start? Boy, you tripped up on those blocks, didn't you? I saw you. Psh. He doesn't say that. He says, well done. You finished. You finished. I want to finish well. I want to finish well. Why? Because look at verse 6. He says, but I trust that you will know that we're not disqualified. He says, test yourselves, guys. Um, and please know, he goes, guys, we haven't failed to test in our apostolic authority. He says, as a matter of fact, we're making sure we walk in the Lord. And Paul has always examined his heart. Always. Now, let me stop right there, because I don't want you to think that when you sin, because we all sin, okay? We all sin, and we all say mean things to our spouse that we don't mean, and then maybe in the heat of the moment, or we, or we, or we lust, or whatever it is. I don't, I don't want you to think that when that happens, I mean, you're disqualified, that, like you're not, you're not saved, okay? Because we're all sinners. You guys understand that, right? Because when we sin, what do you think? I've blown it again, Lord. Wow. Guys, you realize at 17, I got saved. Jesus, come into my heart. You know how I got saved? I didn't want to go to hell. My friend showed me this movie. It was about the rich man and and Lazarus, and and the rich man went to hell, and I was like, and so I invited Jesus into my heart so I wouldn't go to hell. I had no idea who he was. I just didn't want to go to hell. Four weeks, five weeks into my walk with Jesus, I was ready to quit. And I'll tell you why. Because I thought that the Christian walk, you had to be perfect. And you couldn't make mistakes, and you couldn't be a person. And, and so I told the Lord, honestly, I, told, I said, Lord, I can't be a Christian. I'm, I'm messing up. It's not for me. I, I keep sinning. You know what? I thank God that he didn't give up on me. Because that wasn't the truth. He goes, no, 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 that's not what it's about. What it's about is examining your heart and walking and asking for forgiveness when that happens. But I keep walking and I keep moving forward. And the evidence in my heart is every single day I'm more and more like my Jesus. I'm more and more. And you know when you graduate, guys? You know when you graduate? When you die. Into glory. That's when we graduate. Well, what is it? Well, sanctification, glorification. Man, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, Paul says, now I pray, verse 7, now I pray to God that you do no evil, guys, that, or not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. Okay, and if you have a pencil set handy, that word evil could be wrong. Some of your translations would say wrong. And this refers to the refusal, listen to me, to repent from sin. He goes, guys, listen. He goes, now I pray to God that you guys do no evil, do no wrong, that you guys are not going, ah, I want to do me. I want to do me. I, I'm not going to repent. And it sounds a lot like our day, does it not? When people go, listen, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'll do what I want to do. And it scares me, and it scares me, and it scares me, church. Listen, when I, when I hear a Christian going, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it, and I'm under grace, so. That trips me out, man. Paul says, no, 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 I'm praying to God. I'm praying to God. Verse 8 says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray, that you be made complete. What's Paul saying? He says, gang, we can't oppose the truth. Guys, we can't oppose, we stand for the truth. And I'm praying that you would be made complete. You know what that means? That your full restoration back to spiritual health. Back to spiritual health. 
Some of you know what it's like to go through COVID-19. I pray none of you do, but if you've gone through COVID-19 and you survived, you know what it's like to go from being sick to back to healthy. Whew, that was rough. That was hard. When it comes to COVID-19, guys, you know, it, it affects everybody differently. Uh, some people go, you know, I had the sniffles. Well, I tested positive. I had the sniffles, had a little bit of headache. And another person goes, are you kidding me? I couldn't get out of bed for weeks. So it affects everybody differently. So let's be careful that we don't judge people going, well, we, just be careful. Just be careful. You know what your response should be? Let me pray for you. Let me pray. But the point is, is that our goal is to get them back to being healthy. Amen? Well, that's what he's saying here. He's saying on a spiritual health, he goes, listen, this is what I'm praying that you guys are back to spiritual health. I'm praying for you. I'm praying. I tell you, I've got to be honest with you, church. So, something that really breaks my heart as a pastor is to see those who don't know the word of God breaking down even now. They don't know. They're not standing in, in their, 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 their spirit. Paul says we're praying and praying that you fully restored spiritually walking healthy once again. I think that's key. That's key. That's my prayer for you, is that you are spiritually healthy. Guys, that's the key. Now, let me just give a plug for Calvary Chapel, okay? This is why Calvary teaches verse by verse by verse by verse by verse. Now, I don't mind doing a series every now and then, a four-week series, a two-week series, or whatever it might be, but, but the foundation is the Word of God. And I want you spiritually healthy. I want you to know, where do you stand? I stand upon the Word of God. I stand here. Hey, man, there's a guy. He's at the Allsup's. I don't know if we have an Allsup's. He's at the Allsup's. We used to have Allsup's. And, and he's doing miracles. It could be Jesus. No, we stand upon the Word of God. Let's right here. This is your foundation, guys. This is why we teach you the Bible. You don't want my opinion. You want the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This is written in Greek. You need to know this. You need to apply this. It needs to be in you so that you can live. This is, this is, so you can, so you can walk with Jesus victoriously. Do you guys know that you're in a war? Eva, do you know you're in a war? Spiritual battle every day? Yeah. Amanda? Yeah. We got to be spiritually healthy to fight that battle, guys. Paul says in verse 10, Therefore, I write these things being absent. I'm not there. Lest being present, I should use sharpness. If I'm there, I'll, you know what? According to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not your destruction. Don't you just love Paul? Man, he says, I'm writing this to you before I come. And I'm hoping, guys, I'm hoping that I won't need to, do, to, to deal severely with you when I get there. He says, because I want to use the authority that God has given me to strengthen you and not tear you down. Ooh, great application there, is it not? Why? We should never use the word of God to tear anybody down. It should never be a weapon. Never. This should always be one to lift you. I'm going to use my authority to lift you up. And sometimes the truth hurts. Well, here's the word of God. Here's the truth. I don't like it, but it's the truth. But we never use this, guys. I've seen far too many husbands use the word of God as a weapon. It makes me mad. This is a love letter for edification. To help us grow. This is what he's saying. St. Paul, he said, guys, listen, let's correct those. Let's correct it because I want to edify you. I want to strengthen you. I want to strengthen you. And I love Paul's heart. He encourages us. Now, let's close our study and this series with the final three verses. What he does is he's finished talking. He said, I want to strengthen you. I want to encourage you. And now he's going to give what he calls the benediction. Okay, the benediction. Look at verse 11. Finally, 
brethren, farewell. Become complete, be spiritually healthy, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, okay? That was before COVID, okay? Don't kiss anyone. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I love this, guys. Now, don't dismiss it. Don't, don't zip up. Hold on. Listen, there's so much here. As he closes his letter, notice what Paul does. Paul expresses his desire for the Corinthians to be united. He encourages them to seek restoration, to comfort one another, and to live in peace. And then he concludes with that. What does he say? Man, be complete. Paul urges the believers to have the same mindset and purpose. Can I encourage you guys to have that? Have the same mindset, guys. This doesn't mean that we'll agree on everything, but we must live in harmony with each other. He says live in peace. To live harmonious in a relationship with one another. This is how we should be. This is how we should be. And I don't know if you caught it, guys, but Paul's final benediction says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I wanted you to see that he actually concludes his benediction that mentions the three members of the Trinity. Did you catch it? Did you catch that? It was so cool. He says, yeah, yeah, may the grace of our Lord and the love of God and the fellowship, right? And then he uses terms. He uses three terms. Catch them, guys. He says grace, love, and fellowship. Why? Because he emphasizes his concern for reconciliation with God and unity among the believers. How are we going to be unified once again? With grace, love, and fellowship. So... That concludes, guys, both letters to the church at Corinth. And I would leave you today with the same benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship be with... Now, Paul says you all, but I'm in Texas, so I'll say y'all. But y'all. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. And even now, Lord, as we contemplate, God, what you taught us today, how to live with a righteous heart, to examine ourselves, my prayer is that we would do that today. And Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, the most important thing in our lives today is that we're found in the family of God. And although, Lord, we can talk about hell and hell being a very real place and And we're talking about being separated from you. Oh, how much more. I want to see the beauty of Jesus so people can respond to you. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never fully given him complete 100%. You've been walking back and forth, a little scared here and there, and, and now God is speaking to your heart. And while I was... While I was going through the word, he was speaking to you, and, and you've come to the realization that you don't have a relationship with him. You're going, Ben, I don't have that relationship, but I want one. Ben, I want to go to heaven not because I'm afraid of hell, but because I love Jesus, and I don't have that relationship. And I was examining my heart when you said examine your heart, and I want to give my life to him today. So if you're watching online right now and God is speaking to you, or you're listening by podcast, or you're actually here in the service, and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, but you want to today, I'll give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity. You go, what do you mean? I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's going to see you. God's going to see you. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. And I want you to go, yes, Lord, I I want Jesus. And so if you're here today, and God is speaking to you right now. You don't have to worry about anybody else, but God is speaking. You know it's God. You, your heart is going boom, 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 and, and he's talking to you. Then today's your day. And what I'm going to ask you to do is simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, would you just pray for me? 
this is serious. I examine my heart. I want to be found in the family of faith. And all you have to do is lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want Jesus. Ah, oh, God bless you, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just lift up your hand and say, I, I, I want to be found in Jesus. I want God. I want to be saved. Oh, thank you. Lord, I pray for the hands that were raised. I pray, God, you would speak to them, that they would surrender their heart to you because you are love and you are gracious and you are compassionate and you are our everything. And, Lord, really our soul longs to be with you. And so, Lord, that's where we want to be right now. And so I pray that if you lifted up your hand, that you would just say, today's the day I give my life to Jesus. Completely, 100%. And if you're watching online and you lifted up your hand or you prayed that prayer, would you just text us? Would you just put a comment say, I gave my life to Jesus? We just want to pray with you. And if you're listening by podcast, you can just call us. Call us at 806 799 and just leave a message and say, man, I gave my life. I was listening to podcast, and we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.